You're listening to Make It Happen, a podcast for curious, big-hearted, purpose-driven creatives. I'm your host, Jen Carrington, and this is the second episode of season two. Welcome to the show everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're enjoying this brand new season so far and I have a really awesome episode for you today. For today's episode, I invited Kate from London A Budget to come on the show and talk all things money, mindset and budgeting. I stumbled across Kate's blog last year and I became pretty much her biggest fan. As you'll hear in this episode, she really inspired a new approach to money and budgeting that I've embraced recently. And more than anything, it's just really great to read about how another self-employed creative is managing their money in a really smart and responsible and intentional way. Alongside her blog, Kate is a freelance writer and editor and she's also just one of those awesome people who are just doing lots of really interesting things at exactly the same time. In this episode, we dig into her journey and her story so far, which includes how she got out of debt and took the leap into working for herself. And we just have a really honest and fun conversation about our approaches to money and budgeting and she shares her concept of choosing your own financial adventure, which I think you will find really interesting. Let's jump in. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. No, I'm, I've already told you before we started recording how ridiculously obsessed I've got with personal finance blogs recently. So I am super excited to have you here. For everyone listening, if they don't know who you are, maybe if they do, do you kind of want to fill them in on who you are and kind of a little bit about your story and journey so far? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So my name's Kate Flanders. I've been writing a blog called Blonde on a Budget um, since wow 2011 now which is five years that's crazy um, <laughs> I started it when I was 25 just about to turn 26 and I was um, maxed out with like 20 just over $28,000 of debt most of which was consumer um, so a lot of credit card debt a little bit of student loan but only about $4,500 of that was student debt um, it was yeah just just a lot of overspending and yeah, I, so I started the, the blog years ago to kind of help myself stay accountable to uh, get out of debt. And, and that was really all it was meant for. Like when I started it, my first like six months of blog posts were these things I called weekly spending reports. And all I did was every Sunday I would publish uh, like literally what I spent on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and <laughs> That's brave. Yeah, but it was like I really didn't mean for anyone to ever read it. Like, <laughs> so I'd, I'd maybe add a little bit of info at the top just because I knew I'm sure a few people read, but it, they were never it was never meant to like be anything. Um, and it's it's uh, taken me down a very different journey to which now like I'm debt free. Um, I write a lot about about that, about budgeting. Um, over the years, I've uh, like since becoming debt free, which is probably weird and we can talk about it, I've started uh, a two year shopping ban. And uh, I've also decluttered and gotten rid of about 75% of my belongings and just, yeah, really, really done a, a 180. And you, and you freelance. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like six, six or seven months ago now. Yeah. I quit my full-time job and uh, yeah, became a full-time freelancer and, and also just put more focus on the blog, which has been awesome. That's awesome. Also, this is going to be a nosy question, so you can tell me to shut up. No, but no. I'm I'm curious. You said consumer debt. What was like? What was your advice? What was your big shopping problem? Yeah, so that's a really good question because sometimes I think, uh, even though I say I have consumer debt, I think that 
a lot of people assume that, right? Like some people say like, oh, you had all this debt. Did you own like a hundred pairs of shoes? And I'm like, nope. Like I couldn't really tell you where most of it went um, because I did just what I think a lot of people do, which is a lot of mindless spending. So even if it was just like on the weekend, I would pick up maybe two things, but maybe it was a hundred bucks. Um, that's just a hundred dollars that kind of went missing, right? Like I didn't have it and I just swiped for it and it could have been anything like a candle or some candles and like a new shirt or, uh, like 10 books because I'm crazy and bought a lot of books. And yeah, so it, it didn't really go towards any one thing. Um, I just constantly spent more than I could afford to spend. And I, I will actually one thing I did go out a lot, like for dinners and drinks back in the day. <laughs> this is what I found when I was getting into debt. Thankfully, I'm also debt free. But when I was getting into debt, I I knew what I was doing, but I didn't. I wasn't taking responsibility for the fact that I was spending money that I didn't have in my hand. For some reason, I just. It's not that I even assumed that I'll pay for this in the future. I just wasn't even taking responsibility for it. Like, in, in your head when you were in that place, what kind of conversations were happening in your head when you knew you were getting into debt but were continuing to do it? Yeah, so I, I don't know that I noticed it that much. I was in really serious denial about my situation. I constantly just felt like as long as I could make the minimum payment on my credit cards that I was doing okay. And even as the minimum payments crept up, so, you know, one day they were like $50 a month. And then when it got worse and worse and worse, like my minimum payments were like a hundred something dollars a month and, or $200 a month that I was having to pay towards my credit cards. And just paying that doesn't, wasn't even making a dent, but I still wasn't seeing it. Cause I, I just always felt like I made good money. Like at the time I was making, um, you know, probably like 50,000 Canadian a year. And so I was making good money for like a 24, 25 year old. Um, and I just felt like I'd keep making good money. And so eventually I would be able to deal with it. Uh, so I don't know that I had a lot of conversations back then. I got to the point where I was maxed out and I, there was no money left. Like my credit cards were maxed out. I had a hundred dollars in the bank. Nothing, there was nothing else I could spend money on. <laughs> so, um, leading up to that, the few months before that, I started feeling a lot of anxiety about my credit card statements coming in the mail to the point that I would r literally only like peel open the, the top corner of them and look at just whatever the minimum payment was. I wouldn't even look at the balance, um, or, or, and definitely I never, ever, ever looked at like the list of transactions, which is stupid. And if anyone ignores their credit card statements, it is so easy for crazy little numbers to creep in and like transactions that you don't even know what they are. So it was really bad that I wasn't looking at them. Um, but I was in crazy denial and, and knew it was bad. Um, but I just, I don't know. I kept just thinking that I'd be okay one day and I'd, I'd get out of it eventually. I'm sure. Lots of people listening can probably relate. What did what did getting out of debt look like for you? Kind of was it was it a struggle? Like, is it as hard as everyone fears it's going to be for you? Like for anyone? It's not that it's as hard as people think. I think it for me it was really about making it a priority. So the same way you know you'd prioritize any goal. If you're like I want to work out three days a week, and you just make that a goal, and you put it in your calendar, and you just do it. Um, I think that getting out of debt just became my number one priority. I also, because I was maxed out there, was, I had so much like shame and uh, guilt that I kind of held onto it right from the beginning. Like from when I was realized I was maxed out, the problem was literally I had, I had no money left. And so I had to ask my parents if I could move home with them for a few months and, and money does really weird things. Like it, it made me like my shame made me lie about it. So I told my parents I had some debt, but I didn't tell them how bad it was. 
um, and stayed at home with them for six months. And at 25, like that also feels awful. Like I'm not proud of that. And uh, I'd been independent for a long time. Like I'd been living on my own mostly since I was about 19 years old. So it, there was nothing that felt good about that. But I really, truly didn't have another choice at that point. Um, but I, from that moment, like because of all those feelings that I was having about it, I, I just got really, really serious about it. So for me, like every extra dollar that I could immediately went towards debt repayment. And like there were months, like it, I paid it off in 24 months in total. And there were months in that where I was putting like 55% of my income towards debt repayment. That's awesome. Which is, yeah, it's also pretty massive. Like, yeah. uh, sometimes I look back at that time and, and wish I had been a little bit less aggressive about it because I also... Uh, didn't really learn any good habits with that. Like I was just so aggressive and so set on like this two year goal that I'd set for myself. Uh, and I, I couldn't see past it. Like if I had, you know, made it two years and six months and just given myself a little bit more room to a save, because by the time I was debt free, I basically had nothing in savings. And so like, I was, I was just too aggressive. Like it was this one thing. So I had almost nothing in savings. I really didn't have any, any savings habits. And I'd also, during that time, really felt like I'd been depriving myself, which, I mean, in some ways I should have been depriving myself. I had spent years doing whatever <laughs> I wanted. But, so in, in some ways I, I did need to learn that lesson, but because it was, it was just, yeah, a little too intense. Like I, I then became debt free and kind of went back to spending. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you said you started your 24 month shopping ban after you got out of debt, which is interesting because I know a lot of people start a shopping ban when they're in debt. So what led you to that? Yeah. And sometimes I laugh because I'm like, I feel like I did a two year shopping ban yeah. when, I, <laughs> when I was getting out of debt, but I just wasn't calling it that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, when I, after I became debt free, like I said, like I really had no good savings habits and I'd felt like I was depriving myself or like lacking something. And so as soon as I was debt free, I started just seeing that I had all this extra money to finally say yes to some things. So whether it was, uh, you know, if friends wanted to go for dinners more often or brunches or stuff like that, or, um, you know, I hadn't bought books in a while and now there were all these books that had come <laughs> out and I wanted to read all of them. And yeah, and I, I still didn't really buy a ton of stuff in that time, like in that year, but I just, I definitely let lifestyle inflation creep in, which is like, I saw I had all this extra money all of a sudden and I let it increase my lifestyle rather than do some good for my financial life as well. Um, so it's interesting because on the blog, I share a, uh, my budget every single month. And what the way I used to do it is at the beginning of the month, I would say like, okay, this is my plan for the month. This is how much I think I'm going to save, uh, spend and potentially also spend on travel because I, I do travel quite a bit. And I would, I would say every single month, my goal is like, I'm going to save at least 20% of my income. And then I would get to the end of every month uh, that I was debt free and I would have maybe saved like 5% or like eight. I think like the most was maybe 12 or 13. And, and it's not like it's not good. Like it's good. I was saving something, but like at one point I was saving or I was putting 55% of my income towards debt. So like, why couldn't I even save like 20? Like it just, it didn't add up. And so again, sort of paid attention to how I was feeling. Like I hated writing those blog posts that would say like, oh, I've only saved 5% this month. Like I hated that. I hated publishing that. And I was like, I'm making so many excuses for why I can't do this. And they're all, they're all around spending. Like I'm just spending it all. Uh, and so the shopping ban 
it came mostly from that. And and also a conversation I had with my sister one day where she made some comment to me because she was also working part time. And she said something like, oh, you know, I save 20 percent of my income. So I spend the rest on whatever I want. And I was like, do you need 80% of your income? And I don't, and I realized like we need to kind of like flip it around. Like I think we spend so much time or like at least in Canada and in the US, we're always told like save 10%. I don't know if that's something you guys are told in the UK. Yeah, like, yeah. Every, oh, everyone's parents like say, oh, even if it's just 50 pounds, just put it away so you get into the habit of it. That's what we're told. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember growing up and being told save 10%. There was all these like news stories that used to come out like, oh, if you save 10% of your income for like 20 years, you'll retire with a million dollars or save $2,000 a year for 10 years and you'll retire with a million dollars. And you hear all these things and you're like, I just think it, the conversation needs to be different. Like, I think that rather than just focusing on saving like X amount, it should be like, how little do you need in your life? And then everything else should be going towards savings. Like, you, there's no reason. Like, what if one month I made, especially as a freelancer, what if one month I made $4,000 and the next month I made, like, s- something crazy like seven? Like, should I only be saving 20%? Probably not, right? Like, it's like, I should know instead what I need every month. So say it's like $2,300. I should just know that that's what I need and everything else should be going to savings. It doesn't matter what percentage it is. Like, you just need your base costs and then and then save the rest. So... Anyways, the shopping ban <laughs> came from all of those things. Uh, and so I started it about a year after I was debt free. And I'm 18, about 19 months done, the two year ban. That's, and it's also, it's so funny. It's so obvious that your blog has rubbed off on me because my mindset to money is everything you just said then about like, um, like why, wh- instead of seeing how much can we spend, how little can we live off and then save the rest is literally in the past couple of months, just how I've shifted my approach to my finances. That's awesome. Yeah, no, like we were giving ourselves, me and my boyfriend, like a ridiculous amount of money to live on a month just because we could. Mm-hmm. And and it's that freelance thing of, you know, you have, maybe you have a few good months in a row, so you kind of get extra comfortable and you forget that there's also famine ahead to come because there always is. Yep. And, yep. and then also, and I'm going to be so embarrassed that I know I said this, but it's the honest truth. I was in like, if I can't save a thousand pounds a month, I don't want to save. Like I was like, I only want to save like big chunks of money every month. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I was getting into this stupid mindset that money was only worth saving if you could save like big chunks of money so the months I could save big chunks of money I'd do it and then if the months if it was like 600 700 pounds I'd be like oh no that won't really make much of a difference in my savings so I'll just spend it and it's so stupid because it all adds up and so it was so immature and really just what it was it was me trying to just take not take responsibility for my finances and so honestly like we sat down over Christmas and we lowered our monthly outgoings by a thousand pounds like the money that we chose to live we, yeah we, and that just shows how ridiculous we were being financially and that, that did us two things it gives us more room to save but it also gives us more room to make really purposeful decisions with the work we want to take on mm-hmm. I also just think it's powerful that that It just shows like it doesn't take that much time. Like it could take one or two conversations and some phone calls or something to lower your costs drastically. Like it's just planning and really figuring out, like you said, like figuring out, you know, how much work you feel like doing to to live the life that you want. And also like that, that wasn't even a thousand pounds in baseline costs. Like that was a thousand pounds that we could cut from discretionary spending, which was ridiculous because I mean, as a, we just were giving ourselves more money every month than we needed just because we could. And when you go from being 
really poor because you're paying off debts or like for us like really similar to you we've moved back home we were in debt I lied to my parents about how much debt I was in because you're embarrassed and you're ashamed so you kind of say it's half of the debt than you're actually in and then you they kind of don't worry as much as they probably should do so yeah we just honestly your blog's kind of really changed our life and when you can know you can live off less it really takes the anxiety away especially as a freelancer because you just know you can you can live off less and it changes everything and it, and for me it really helps me make really purposeful decisions in my business and the choices that I make because I I don't want to make decisions out of needing the money to come in the door I want to do what work I feel is really purposeful and meaningful and thankfully because we have savings it means if say I one of us gets sick one month because my boyfriend is a part-time freelancer and he has a part-time day job too so if something happens if something happens in life we've made it so that we have room to breathe instead of ever getting back to that place again where we're in debt and we're looking at each other and we have no idea how we're going to get out of it because that was the worst feeling ever. I feel like everything you just said sort of wrapped up the show. Like that's everything that I talk about all the time is, so it's been really interesting. Like one of the byproducts I think of the shopping ban was that it, it showed me how much money I need every single month. Like my, my bare minimum that I need every month. Cause I lived that for a year and then I quit my job. Right. So I was able to look and see like, because I'm not not only not shopping, but I'm just making really intentional or purposeful decisions about any money I do spend. Uh, I realized like, you know, for me, it is it's twenty three hundred dollars. That's sort of the maximum amount. Like I've gotten it down to like eighteen hundred some months if I really need to. Um, but I know like as long as I have twenty three hundred dollars, I'm going to be OK. Uh, and it. I, I, I've always said, like, I think being able to quit my job is the weirdest byproduct of the shopping ban, but it's so true. Like it's, I don't have that stress of like needing all this money every month or like worrying, like, of course it's nice when you have a really good month and it sometimes feels crappy when you have a not so good month. Uh, but it's, I just know all I need is X amount and I know I can always make that. So it, it's, yeah, it's really powerful. And I'm going to say the biggest cliche here, but the less you spend, the less you want. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'm the girl who, like I told you just before we started recording at 17, I had this Topshop credit card and I just would go and buy clothes because I was like a stupid 17 year old. And I got, when I went to university, I was in just under a grand's worth of debt before I went to university. And so what happened for me was I started university and I got my student loans and my student loans every term was paying off debt that I'd made the previous term because I was just getting in debt and constantly, constantly in debt. And it was just this awful cycle that took really reaching rock bottom to then get back from. And so now I've learned the less we spend, the less we want and the more we enjoy what we buy because when you're buying a lot of things, it doesn't feel good because it, then it's just, we got to this point last year where we were shopping as a hobby. Like we would end the day and it had been a really long day and we were like, hey, do you want to go to the Trafford Centre, which is like a mall here? This is the most mm-hmm. embarrassing thing. And we'd just go and like spend £40 each. And we were doing this like two or three nights a week and we weren't paying attention to it because we were like, well, we have the money and it's fun. And we were just, it wasn't filling our life with the things that matter to us. And now we can put our money towards like little city breaks to go and explore new places or like our future or like hopefully, yep. hopefully being able to take maternity leave one day, like all these kind of, or getting married, like all these kind of things. And yeah, honestly, like, and I honestly don't think it would have happened if I hadn't discovered your blog because it was the first time I'd heard someone talking about money in a way that spoke to me. It wasn't, you know, words that didn't make sense to me, <laughs> but it was. Um, and I love something that you say, which is, choosing your own financial adventure which um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. do you want to go into that because I think people find that really interesting 
Yeah, yeah. The well, the blog post was so fun to write because it was one of the most creative posts that I've written so far. Like I, I feel like so much of what I wrote in the first couple of years was just personal stuff, right? And and I put a lot of it into that post. But the idea really being like. Uh, you know, there are decisions and milestones we reach every single day and you have two decisions, right? Like it's, you can either choose route A or route B. And so the way I wrote the post was like, if you choose this one route, and I can't remember if it was A or B, but if you choose this one, every single time it's going to lead you further down a line you probably don't want to be going. But then if, if you pick B, then it'll take you, you know, to places you like better milestones quicker. So like if you choose A every time, let's say that's the bad one. Like if you choose A every time, then you're going to lead to debt. Then you could lead to the story of being maxed out. Then, you know, it could get so bad you need to file bankruptcy or whatever. And and if you constantly choose the other one, if you choose route B, you'll never even see those. Like they'll never even be part of your story. Um, so for me, it's just the idea of like, like I, I wish I'd like almost had a visual of it in my head as I was working on it that I was like, I wish people could be like given this in school. Like here's a piece of paper that just says, if you make these decisions, this is what will happen. Do you want them to be part of your story or not? No. Okay. Well then ignore them and pick this other route. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was a fun post to write. That was a really fun post to write. Well, I know you've been like for seven months now freelance because I feel like it's so great. It was so great for me to see how you were even just reminding me to put money aside for taxes every month. I told you at the mm-hmm. beginning of this call, I wasn't, um, I'm doing that now. I wasn't doing it when I first started freelancing. And because I think when, especially creative people, when we, I say this to everyone all the time, I love being able to make a living from my creativity. I hate running a business in the sense that, I mean, I love the freedom, but I hate dealing with accounts. And I hate having yep. to do projections and I hate having to think about the tax man. I feel like it's um, it's not that we don't take responsibility for it, but sometimes, especially as very creative people, our heads don't work in that way. We don't think about kind of, because there's a budget when you're, you know, just a grown up who's got to pay for things, but there's also budgeting when you're self-employed because you're kind of responsible for a few different things that most people aren't. Mm-hmm. And um, I always, yeah, I, I just listened to your recent episode of your podcast on budgeting, but um Kind of how has transitioning into being a freelancer changed how you budget, changed how you approach your money? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty massive. So one of the things I was gonna say is that what what you said about how you were not saving for taxes, I actually feel like not only was I good at saving money kind of the year before I quit my job, but I'd heard so many stories from friends who were self-employed, like horror stories of tax time coming and them owing like $12,000 or $20,000, like just crazy, crazy amounts. And I was so terrified of that, uh, that I sometimes feel like freelance made me become an even better saver because I'm, I'm pretty religious now where every single month I look at exactly how much I made and off the top, I immediately take 30% of my income and put it in this account for savings. So it's just gone. Like, I just don't think... Tax rates are high here. I'm not sure what they are there. Is it anything like that? Yeah, anything under 40, I think like 43 grand a year, you're paying 20%. And this is like taxable income. Anything over like 43 grand, you're paying 40%. Okay, wow. Is that more than is that more than Canada? Uh, no, I'm like, I probably... At my, if I had stayed at like a full-time job, I probably would have been at like 30, 30 something. Mm. So... Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's sort of like a rule here, like freelancers should save 30%. So I just did that right off the top because I just, I'm petrified. So now it's so weird. I have this account that has like 16 or $17,000 cash sitting in it. And I, I'm really proud of it, but I also know it's going to disappear in April. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so painful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it made me an even better saver because I'm so petrified of all of a sudden owing someone some massive lump sum of money that I don't have. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. Um, so it it changed that for me and that I immediately knew I had to be responsible for that money. Like, it had to go away right away. Um, but... Uh, I will say it's, it can be easy. I've been really careful cause I just write everything down, but it could be very easy for people in general to, uh, think of everything as a business expense. And so use that almost as an excuse to just like spend a lot of money. Mm. But the reality is that some business expenses help your taxes a lot and some don't really do much at all. So it's like, you should be very careful about what you think is a business expense. Cause you might not really get any of it back. So it, yeah, I, 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 so far, like in my first seven months, I think it's been fine. One thing I've decided I'm going to try to do on my blog though, for 2016 is it sort of goes back to what you were saying about like some months you do well, so you can save a lot and some months you can't. I've, I've noticed since being a freelancer, um, my, posting my budgets monthly, it looks pretty weird to me and like kind of all over the place. Like I'll have a month where, yeah, I can save $1,200. And then the next month I've saved like 200. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so like, I, I do the math later and then I'm like, oh, like in, you know, the last six months I've saved an average of like 700 a month. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, the monthly thing is just, it's too weird and it makes me feel like I'm all over the place. So what I'm going to try to do this year is only share my numbers quarterly, sort of more like a business. And I was worried about it because uh, something I've like, well, been thinking about quite a bit since quitting my job and becoming a freelancer is I'm nervous that I'm like losing some readers and now listeners of the podcast because they were more along for the personal journey and they're not freelancers. Mm. Um, And so I've been nervous to kind of talk about freelance too much because I don't want to single out those people. Um, but, but truly it's, I'm doing it I, because I'm a freelancer. My, my finances just are different and they're just going to be right. And so I don't like the feeling of one month saying like, Oh, I was so awesome this month. And then like, like I know in January, I knew it. I intentionally chose not to work very much because I'm working on a personal project and I made good money in December. So I have the luxury that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I knew I'm like, I don't want to write a report for, for January that says like, Oh, I made, I don't know, $2,000. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not enough money, but, <laughs> but it's still like, I'm still okay somehow. Like I still have money and I've still been able to save and, and but it just, it's too weird. So it budgeting with a regular income has definitely changed things. Um, I am trying to look at it more from the bigger picture of like, look at it in quarters and maybe even half a year and then the full year rather than just stress out about the one month. That's so funny because that's exactly how I do it too. Um, I can't, I was having this conversation with a client literally the other day because she was freaking out about how some months she earns good money and how some months she doesn't earn. And I was like, I, I calculate in a quarter and then I divide it by three because for me it doesn't make sense because of the way my business works. Just like you, like January is going to be a slower month for me, but then the other months in the month, it all balances out and I like you very intentionally I took a time off in December and I went into 
January very slowly because I'm booked out right now. So I'm I'm just very busy with clients and I didn't want to be selling, selling, selling. And so for me, I don't worry what I earn in a month. I worry what I earn in a quarter. And then I don't pay myself what I earn this month. I just pay myself the same thing every month just for my, like my business savings. Mm-hmm. That's like my wages in advance. And like my big goal is to have a year in there so that nice. I'm always paying myself kind of like that because it's on number one feast and famine is a horrible place to be in and for me saving sometimes I mean if you have a lot of passive income products it's possible to not be in feast and famine I guess but um for me like savings gets me out of that panic and then you get to make really cool decisions in your business like to take time off or to work on personal projects so yeah I don't I don't give a crap what I earn in a month I give I really I I care about what I earn and save in a quarter because we've all had it when sometimes you earn in one month like more than you earn in like the previous quarter just because you had a great month yep oh yeah well December for me was ridiculous like I because I was selling a 2016 planner I saw her on your blog yeah yeah and so I, I made a ridiculous amount of money um, and that's, and it's, that's amazing. But that's when I knew I'm like, I was even scared to report that. Cause I'm like, that will probably never happen again. <laughs> like it's sort of this fluke thing that's, it's never going to come up again where I can say I made tens of thousands of dollars that will never happen again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it definitely, I think December alone really shifted my perspective. And I think uh, the quarterly, like a quarterly budget almost just makes more sense now. It's just been very weird to transition out of years and years and years of doing personal budgets, which you yeah. just do monthly. Quarters quarters could make sense for someone who, I guess, doesn't freelance, but I don't know. I would always just think in monthly terms in the past. Yeah. So uh, we pay ourselves the same thing every month. So everything we earn that month goes into savings. So for, with me, with my boyfriends, we kind of, whatever comes in from that month comes in. But um, so then any like extra, like if he picks up extra freelance work or if I have an extra good month, it's just all going to go into the savings. I think the big change, that the big thing that we want to explore together this year is not just having one savings account because there's like savings for tax, there's savings for business, mm-hmm. there's savings for like emergency they're saving for you know big expenses and then they're saving for like fun funds like travel and you know fun things to do and I think um when all your savings is in one place and then you take it out for different you in your mind your savings is for one thing even though you, if you're all your mm-hmm. savings for lots of things and so then it feels like you're taking away from certain parts of your life by paying for one thing like I know this time next year when I have to pay my tax return if I don't separate those that money from the rest of my money I'm gonna feel like the government is taking my money from me like a baby like don't take my money so oh totally like I I I'm it was so funny I used to have tons of savings accounts like I used to I don't know, have them for all kinds of different things. And then I realized sort of as part of like minimizing tons of things in my life, I realized I needed less, Mm. but I still, so I still have a couple, like I have one definitely separate for taxes because I just, I almost don't even look at it. So I have like almost (laughs) $17,000 in there, but to me, you have to look at it almost like it's zero. Like it's just, it's not not part of my net worth. Well, yeah. And it's not, I would never include it in my net worth or anything like that because it's not my money. Mm. Um, But it's, but then I have that and then I have an emergency fund. So I always keep a few thousand dollars in that uh, because then I'm kind of weird and I keep a really large cash buffer in my checking account. Mm. Uh, And, and that is, I don't know, (laughs) like fortunately I, I surprisingly earn a little bit of interest on it, but I really just do it because that was what helped me feel comfortable quitting my job. Like I was like, I knew I had like at least four months of expenses just sitting there. Um, and, and then the emergency fund is just sort of like 
backup money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like my emergency fund is in my checking account because I've never let it go below like $9,000, um, which is, but yeah, anyways. So. <laughs> no, I, what I found most inspiring for your budget reports was that you class like travel money as like a, um, like a, like a priority in lots of ways, which I found really inspiring mm-hmm. because for us, when we try and plan trips, um, we always feel like we have to take out the savings now. The last couple of trips we've gone out, we've gone on, we've actually been able to pay for it just out of like our monthly amount, which feels really good. And um, even and so and for me, for us travel, we want to make it such a priority that I don't want to feel like it's something I have to like save up and like only go on once a year. And I I love that you make space for it just in your monthly budget. Like you even have a whole bit on your budget that's like travel money, which is awesome because I, that's making space yeah. for what I imagine is like one of the big priorities for you in your life. Oh, I'd say it's the biggest. And again, I think that sort of was another byproduct of the shopping ban where I realized that I would rather spend zero dollars on any stuff I could bring into Mm -hmm. my home uh, if it meant that I could actually go on trips because we were kind of talking about this before, but I wanted to travel so much when I was younger. Like when I was out of high school and in my early 20s, that's that's all I wanted to do. And I could never do it because I always had debt. I always had credit card debt. And so because I always had debt, I always had to work. Mm. And it's as soon as I realized, like as soon as I got out of debt and then with the shopping ban and, and the minimalism stuff, like as soon as I just realized, like, I don't want anything, like there's no, th- no thing I could bring into my home that's going to make life better. What I want to do is what I've always wanted to do, and that's travel. So it is like it's a line it's a line in my budget probably every single month. It would be it's very rare if I don't travel. And sometimes it's just um, like a weekend away with friends or I'll take the ferry over because I'm in Victoria, BC, Canada, and it's a ferry away from Vancouver. So sometimes it's just money to take the ferry to go to Vancouver where I'll stay with friends. And so it'll be a pretty cheap trip. Like I could go for a whole, you know, I could probably go for five days and only spend like 250 or $300. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so I'm like, it's, it's, even if it's cheap, it, it is very important to me that when I want to do those things, I can do it. Uh, so yes, it's, and that that's just something that over the years, and I talk about it a lot on my blog, but like, it's so incredible and powerful when you can look at your budget at the end of a month and know that it aligns with what I would call like your goals and your values. So like your, your goals being, you know, the goals we all have. So like, whether it's, uh, you know, saving for retirement, saving for your taxes, um, just the, you know, kind of your regular financial goals. Yeah. And then values being like, at the end of the month, like, what brought you the most joy or what made you happiest or what just fulfilled your life the most. And for me, it's always travel. Like, I don't want, I, I mean, I guess I kind of always want more books, but <laughs> I don't, I still have lots I've never read, so I don't miss it too much. Um, but I don't want more stuff. Like I don't need more clothes. I'm kind of weird. And I wear like the same thing almost every day. <laughs> and, uh, I don't want more stuff. I, I would much rather look at every month and be like, Oh, I got to travel this month. It was a great month. And then that's that. <laughs> it's so funny because I really feel like I'm going through this stage in my life where I'm accepting how I actually want to feel about money and things. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like my wanting of stuff is, and this is so pathetic, but it's more of what that's because society has put that onto me. And not that it's society's fault, but it's like, I felt like I wanted things because that's what I should want. Yeah. 
And whereas in reality, like, yeah, I could go out and buy, like, I love candles. So, like, candles or books. I'm like, for me, books, I love them. Like, they, they're like my, they're like, um, I love them so much. But, like, I could go out and buy all these things, but I'm still going to come home and feel empty. Whereas Mm -hmm. for me, like, I'd rather prepare for our future or go travel or be able to support other people in our life or be able to do really fun, cool things or just feel secure because I know I never sleep better than when I know I've got enough money (laughs) to pay the rent and take care of ourselves um and I just it's it's letting my mindset shift and letting my mind be okay with maybe not living up to the values that other people are setting in life but being okay with the values that I want I love that you said that you traveled on 250 like when you because we because we're going to get away next week we're trying to see how little we can spend when we go away because then the less we spend when we go away and still have a good time means the more we can go and travel because flight's Mm -hmm. never the problem it's the night you spend on food when you're there so yeah yeah, or accommodation. Yeah. So a lot of the travel I've done in the past few years, because I've talked about it a lot. Like I've, if anyone goes back and reads all my monthly budgets, like it sounds awesome. It's like I've been to New York a bunch of times, and I've been to Toronto a bunch, and a bunch of cities in the states and stuff like that. But the reason I'm able to do that is because most of the time I stay with friends. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like I make sure that I can get the cheapest travel I can. So flights and, or if I'm driving or whatever, I, I do that as cheap as I can. And then I stay with friends and because hotels are also just insane. Yeah. Insane. yeah. I have not, I have not figured that out yet. Like how to get really cheap hotels yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love what you said. I think you said the word empowered. I think you said something like that. And I think, um, as a 23 year old almost 24 who kind of started her like grown-up life with I just had the worst relationship to money like I shopped to make me happy mm-hmm. and that was just not healthy and I shopped to make myself feel whole and it just was not good and now that I'm in control of my finances thanks to reading Gawson blogs like yours and now that I'm making good decisions I feel so empowered financially like I no longer feel like money controls my life or controls Mm -hmm. my decisions or controls my opportunities or anything it's like money's just this awesome tool to enrich my life oh I was like that is it's so awesome and and so inspiring to hear that you've reached that at that age because even like when I was getting rid of a bunch of my stuff it took me a long time to realize like not only did I used to buy things to make myself feel better but there were some things that I bought literally because um I wanted to portray a certain version of myself. Yeah. So, you know, I bought all matching furniture because, yeah, I guess I liked the look of it, but I also wanted people to come over into a house that had all matching furniture. Like it, it just like in my eyes, like it would have shown that I've reached like a certain level of success or I've just got my crap together or whatever. And, and I did, so I did stuff like that. I also bought, um, you know, books that I thought a certain version of myself should read So books that I was like, you know, I really want to be this kind of person. I should read books like this. Um, I bought sometimes clothes like that too, like not, not too much. Um, but yeah, certainly books and, and just things were around, around my place. And yeah, I, I used to put so much emphasis on what other people thought. Uh, and now that I, like, especially in getting rid of so much, I, it really forced me to, say like, what do I want? Like, and, and who am I exactly? Like one thing, especially was with books was when I was getting rid of, cause I, I feel bad saying it. I got rid of lots of books, but I donated them to the library. <laughs> um, but I got rid of lots of books that, and some of them I had never even read because I never wanted to read them. Like I just thought I should read them. 
Uh, and finally, like when I was able to look at what I had left, I had this very clear picture of like, okay, I am this person. These are my interests. And if people don't like it, like that's too bad. Uh, this is who I am. And it really only like my opinion really only matters and, and the people closest to me and that's it. Yeah. That's it really. Like that's the journey I'm going on right now. And like, I'm, I'm there in lots of ways and then it's just yeah it's just been like this is who I am and because I it's that marketing thing of like people buy the version of themselves they want to be like Mm -hmm. that's why sales work so well and Mm -hmm. it's like not falling for it and really just and then this is sad like this not sad like this is funny because it it doesn't just affect your finances at this point it affects your relationship with yourself it affects everything and and with others Yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah because yeah. the less, the more you allow yourself to be yourself, then you actually then let other people be themselves around you. You don't put them yep. in boxes. You don't, um, yeah. And I, I, a lot of people, I work with a lot of health coaches and they always say to me that they don't believe that food, like food is just a catalyst. It's just one of the catalysts in life for change. And for me, money has also been one of those in that when I, I had a bad relationship with money, everything in my life kind of went wrong as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whereas now. I'm actively choosing to like practice and have a good relationship with money and it's benefiting so many areas in my life because it's it's just a mindset that I'm taking with me and honestly I'm gonna sound like such a fangirl but I have to thank you and the work you do because um yeah it really gives me space to work through a lot of weird money stories that I have going on in my head. No, I'm so glad. Like, it's so funny. So like, I think everyone's journey sort of started different places. But like you said, mine did start with money. But then about a year after paying off my debt, or like a year into the journey, I then realized, you know what, I'm also at a weight that I'm not comfortable at. And it and it was never about like looking a certain way. I didn't want to look, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't want to lose like 80 pounds or something like that. Like I was like, I'm just not comfortable as I am right now. And all of a sudden I went from being a total couch potato, like my entire life to training for a half marathon and I lost, and I lost 30 pounds. And then a year after that, I quit drinking. And so I just think like once you see that you can take control of one area of your life and the benefits that come from doing it, you, you can just start to look at the other areas. So some people start it with food first, right? Or, or their stuff, or drinking, or whatever, like, everyone's journey starts with something, but it is really powerful when you can change one area, uh, and, and just see that you're totally in control of whatever you want your life to look like, like, I certainly believe it for finance, but I also believe it for everything now. Um, there, are th- there are things that come up all the time, and there are road bumps and, and all kinds of stuff, but you are definitely in control every single day, kind of going back to the choose your own adventure, like, every single day, you always have two choices. So if you continue to make the choice that will put you down the path with your finances that that you don't really want to be on, you are choosing that. Like with every transaction that you swipe a credit card for that you don't really have the money for, like you are choosing that. But you can also choose to make one less transaction that you that you can't really afford and to go down a different path. So I I've loved this conversation. Like it's so cool to hear to hear where you are at not just at your age because that's kind of ageist, but just to hear how 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 your journey has been so far and that you're already so enlightened on the things that you do and don't want. It's so cool. So cool to hear. No, I've had so much fun um doing this podcast together and I have three questions that I ask everyone who come on the show. So the first one is and because I'm nosy and I love to know these things, what are you hoping to make happen in 2016? Oh, um, okay. So right now, I've sort of been hush hush about it for a long time. Um, but I signed on with a literary agent uh, last year, and I'm working on a book proposal. 
right now. So awesome. yeah, so I would say I've been hush hush because the, just because you have an agent, it does not mean you're going to get a book deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like you could write a great book proposal and no publishers could want it right now. So, uh, but I'm like, whatever, I'll just put it out there. So I'm working on a book proposal. I'm hoping that by February it's in my agent's hands to start shopping around. Um, and we will see if anything comes from that. Uh, if not, that's okay. <laughs> um, right now I'm, uh, working on a course with a bunch of other bloggers. It's called a simple year. And I actually think probably by the time this airs, the registration will be closed, but I am really excited about it. Um, so I'm teaching, it's like every single month has a, a different life area that you can simplify and I'm teaching money in July, which will be awesome. Um, and then I'd like to create a course of my own this year. Uh, I don't know when I'll launch it. I don't even know exactly what it'll be, but I worked in online education for five years. So it sort of only makes sense that I would create something for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And the, so the second question I always ask is what your biggest advice is with anyone who's working hard to make big things happen right now. But I'm going to twist it a little bit. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to yeah. ask you, what would be your biggest advice for anyone right now who doesn't feel like they're in control of their finances, but they want to be? Um, two things. One would be, is it okay if I say two things? Yeah, of course. Okay. Two for one. Yeah. Okay. So one would be to trust your gut instinct every time you make a transaction. And I say that because, um, you know, like I said, like in those few months leading up to when I was maxed out, I knew, I knew that my situation was bad. That's why I was only looking at the corners of my statements for the, the minimum payment, right? Like I knew it was bad. And so I knew it when I would go to swipe for things too. Like I knew I can't afford this. This is taking me closer to the edge. Um, but I didn't really like it. Had, I'd always been doing it. I couldn't really see another way yet. Um, so listen to your gut instinct. Like if it tells you that a transaction you're about to make, you probably can't afford, maybe trust it and don't make that transaction. Um, and then it's practical advice, like probably all finance experts say, but it would be, I would say track your spending even for two weeks and do it by hand and don't even just worry about the numbers. Just, just write it down. Like I used to go to Starbucks like one or two times a day. Like I would write that down and it, and it just, it really opens your eyes as to where your money is going and also where you could e probably easily cut back. Like when I realized I was going to Starbucks that much, I was like, all right, that's probably an easy one I could cut out. Um, but even just stuff like then you really see how much you were spending on dining out or whatever. Cause I think so much of the spending we do is really mindless. Um, and so even when we know like, oh, I'm not saving as much as I want or whatever, for some reason it's not clicking. And I always think it clicks when you write it by hand. It's taking ownership, really, I always think. You can't run away from it. Oh, yeah. And I think even, especially, and I think creatives will get this, like, I've only been getting this more and more lately. For so long, I've done so much of my writing on a computer. And then for the book proposal, it's been really interesting because I I had tried so, for so long to get stuff down on my computer, but I would get so distracted. And so one day I finally just grabbed a blank, like a, a sketch pad notebook. So it's just white paper, no lines. And I wrote the entire chapter outline in that in two weeks. And it was only because like there was something so tactile about doing it by hand and I was doing it in like colored pencils and it was crazy and messy and like <laughs> I'm like really I'm I'm going through the process right now of typing it up and it's sort of horrifying. <laughs> 
but but there was just something so different about writing it down that just really opened my eyes to what was going on yeah I have to use my hand like I'm not like a I can't draw or do anything with my hands to save my life but I learned the magic of just like shutting down the screen and like mapping out ideas by hand you just feel like like there must be like a mind hand connection because oh yeah 100% there's there's so much creativity that does not come through on the screen so yeah it's stifling in lots of ways so I totally I totally get you and the last question I ask everyone is um how can everyone listening get involved with what you're doing right now and support you along the way and what you're what you're getting up to yeah so I mean you can always check out the blog so it's blonde on a budget either .ca or .com um I love talking to people on twitter and and I'm there a lot um I'm also on instagram I I have facebook I don't really do it but (laughs) um I do I love chatting on twitter uh so if anyone ever has questions um I'm also really big on email like I know some people hate it I try to reach inbox zero at least twice a week uh so which is sometimes tough like right now right now I have like 32 emails now and I'm like I'm gonna be sending a solid part of my day answering emails uh but I do love when people uh reach out and and just want to talk about stuff so yeah I'm I'm just I love talking and I love uh the community that that we've all built online so if anyone wants to chat about money stuff ever I am always around and I'll link your podcast in oh yeah because <laughs> it's it's really good like really well like just I really like it so I'm gonna link that in the show notes everyone if you want to hear more conversations like this go and listen to blonde what's it budget and sense budget C- and sense yeah budget and, and sense and actually freelancers will find this interesting so um it's a podcast I do with my friend Carrie and what we've decided is because we're doing it in seasons is that season one is all going to be mostly about personal finances and then I think for season two we're going to focus mostly on being a freelancer <gasps> that's perfect yeah yeah it should be really fun (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for coming on today this is this is a great way to spend my saturday evening thank you so much no it was so nice to chat i'm so glad we got to do it And there we have it, the second episode of season two of the Make It Happen podcast. I hope you're enjoying this season so far. If you haven't already, you can visit the brand new website, makeithappenpodcast.com for all the show notes and links for where you can find Kate online. And if you want even more insights and advice for creatives, you can head over to my website, jencarrington.com for more content. And you can also find out more over there about how I help purpose-driven creatives make things happen online on their own terms and in their own way. Thank you so much for listening today and I can't wait to connect with you more soon. 